Hello, and thank you for joining me on the Business Essentials Podcast. This is where it gets real, and we break down everything you need to know about building and running a successful business. We'll chat about strategies, finances, tools, systems, leadership, and everything in between. My name is Viola Wheeling, and I'm your host. Come hang out with me for a couple minutes. Welcome to another episode. I am super excited. I have Chase here with me. He is an expert in the e-commerce space, and I'm so excited because that is an industry or that's a space where a lot of people are getting into. So I really wanted him to share his insight from working with other clients and helping them really grow successful businesses. So it's going to be a fun conversation. If you are in that space, if you know someone, grab them, send this to them so that they can come in and listen from an expert. Before I bring him in, let me just tell you a little bit about Chase. He is the co-founder of Electric Eye, where he and his team create Shopify-powered sales machines from strategic design, development, and marketing decisions. He's also the host of Honest E-Commerce, a weekly podcast where they provide online store owners with honest, actionable advice to increase their sales and grow their businesses. Welcome to the show, Chase. Thanks for having me and thanks for the, the awesome intro. And You've set the stage and now I need to deliver. Hey, listen, I've listened to a couple of your episodes on your podcast, so I this is very in line with what I hear. So thanks for coming. I'm excited about this conversation. Let's get straight into it. We have something in common, right? We have been entrepreneurs from a very young age. I probably started my first venture at about four years old. In school, I was selling treats that I made at home in class. So I'm interested to know what was your first entrepreneurial experience? What age and what were you doing? Oh, man. It's funny you bring up like back in school selling things when you were young. I was like, oh, wait. There was like this little store at our school where you could pick up supplies and I just circumvented that store and I, I basically just undercut them to make enough money to get like extra fruit snacks at lunch. <laughs> so that was that was probably the first, I would call it a hustle. None of these were really were real businesses. But the one I was going to say, which was quite a few years after that, is when I first got into the music scene was around the same time that I fell in love with photography. So I was doing a lot of photo shoots for local bands and that evolved into something that was quite fun. And that's actually where my whole entire career started, to be honest, was uh, with photography, doing professional photography. So yeah, that, that was probably the, the that was probably the most legit first business, I'd say. And that started when I was uh, probably around 15 or 16. That's interesting. I know a lot of photographers that started out of like a need also, like a lot of my friends, like when they were getting married and they just saw how challenging it was to maybe either hire one and they eventually started. I know at least two people that just started a photography business out of that experience, but it's always interesting to hear that background. And I know you also have dabbled into many businesses. You highlighted the music. I know you you were going to be a, a rock star. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened there. But you, can, you can wish to be a rock star. Tell us what <laughs> makes you a rock star. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> So tell us what you learned from your experiences as a somewhat serial business owner or entrepreneur that you've carried on into what you're currently doing. Yeah, I mean, being in the band was a lot of fun. And it's being a band is literally a business. So, you know, you got a crash course in business. So you, I could say that like the band was also a business. So the whole time we were doing that, the band wasn't really paying my bills. So while I was doing that, I was freelancing the entire time and I was learning new skills. 
always had this ethos of like, you know, I could figure it out. You know, the punk rock DIY mentality was really ingrained in me in a young age. So I was like just learning cool things. And back then it was like people would come to me at a small network that knew that like I was smart with computers and I could figure some stuff out. So like someone would approach me with a challenge. I'd be like, you know what, I'll figure it out. So that's kind of how I paid my bills during the whole band thing. Towards the end of that, I uh, was a pretty well-rounded digital marketer. The one line is, I guess, I was, I was getting closer to the money as I matured with my digital marketing skills, aka getting closer to like measurable returns, uh, things that are produced profits for my clients. Uh, therefore, you could charge accordingly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all those skills just helped me one realize that I really enjoyed this space. It was a lot of fun. It maybe for lack of a better, I don't know, this may be a bad thing, but it gave me this whole mentality that like I can take risks because at the end of the day, I have this skill set I can fall back on to make money if I need to. Right. No, that's good. I think that space is also constantly changing. So how do you keep up with, I feel like it's evolved, right? So how do you as an expert in that area just keep up? Do you have to learn new skills as it comes up? Well, I think that kind of lends itself to the power of niching down. So these days, I run an agency with a partner called Electric Eye, and we basically build amazing, beautiful Shopify stores for our clients. And through that, we're just like helping them do a lot of strategic things to help increase the average order value, help increase the conversion rate, a lot of lifetime value stuff, measurable KPIs that are super sweet that are going to really change these businesses. And niching down into a specific like niche within the world of digital marketing means that like I have a lot less stuff that I have to keep track of and be aware of, but I'm still at heart like a, a strategist. That's like the what really that's the fun part for me. So like I'm always learning new stuff. Even through the podcast, our podcast, Honest Commerce, I'm interviewing people all the time, learning a ton of stuff there. Throughout the days, I, I have like other podcasts or YouTube videos playing in the background while I'm getting my work done, just like absorbing this stuff. Because I find it, I truly find it interesting. I, I really enjoy being in this space. Yeah, well, that's good. It's interesting you mentioned niching down. And I actually have that as one of my questions, but I'll come back to that after this next question. Mm -hmm. So e-commerce is definitely a big deal right now. It has low barriers to entry. I actually had dabbled into e-commerce myself. So there's basically, there's so many sharks in the ocean, right? So how do you as an e-commerce entrepreneur really stand out? Um, that's a great question. We are niched a bit ourselves. So e-commerce is a kind of a big area, but we are specific to Shopify. We're specific to a unique client that is just hitting that growth stage. So we don't work with startups anymore. Unfortunately, you know, it's a lot of fun, but as our business has grown, so is my overhead. So our projects have gone up market as well. So we're working with clients that are just hitting kind of the, the beginning of that hockey stick growth, if, if you want to like use some buzzwords there. So they're usually a very small team and they've done everything they could themselves and they've finally hit that wall where they're like, well, what's next? What do we need to do? And they usually reach out to us and we're like, okay, like we know exactly what you need to do. We're going to walk you through this whole process and we're going to strategize everything that needs to happen and make just an amazing website out of that and amazing marketing automation systems and start to increase the sessions through paid advertising and owned marketing and just really turn the gas up on a fire that they've started themselves. A shorter way to answer that is we were clients with product market fit that are looking to grow. Okay. So you basically work with them and really show them how to stand out by going through whether it's website design, basically everything I mentioned on your intro. So strategic design, development and marketing. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's our project. Our projects are basically we're going to redesign your website and sh tell you why. Because there's there's a lot of problems with websites in that area of growth. With clients, it's usually an older Shopify theme with a bunch of random apps installed, and it's slow. It's clunky. It's not the best user experience. It doesn't display the level of professionalism that. Uh, their customers, especially new customers, would want to see from a brand, uh, and it's usually really slow. So you kind of lay all that stuff out there, and it's like it's just as easy to build a new website as it is to fix all this stuff. And like fixing all this stuff opens a can of worms. Like so, we're just going to go the route of like let's do the new a new website, and it's really sweet. And so like once you know that's kind of like phase one, is build this new awesome website with all this cool stuff built in. It's lightning fast. It's got like upsell and cross-sell motivators built in to try to raise the AOV. And that's phase one. Then phase two, once that thing's working well and it's live, like let's go into increasing the amount of traffic, the amount of sessions that you're getting to your site through Facebook ads, Google ads, making sure that you're optimizing all of your owned marketing initiatives through like email automations and SMS. And that's it's just adding clarity to it because a lot of these people are like, I don't know what to do and there's so much stuff and there's a plethora of information out there and everyone's telling me I need to do this and that and whatnot and we're like, look, we've done this dozens of times. We're going to do that for you and it's going to work. That's the beauty of also niching down in your service offering, right? Because you do it the same way for most people. It's just a different, maybe different product. Yeah. So the way I like to explain it is the strategy is the same. The tactics are going to change because your business is unique. Exactly. That's a good, that's good. So tell me about this type of client, right? In this space that they're in, what is like the average revenue sales, like revenue amount before you get to this point? Yeah. So I think, as I said, they need to have product market fit. So the way I describe this kind of really hard to describe concept is like people are buying your thing that aren't your friends and family, like random people on the internet are buying your product. Okay. And there's that this phase from like $1 a year to like a million dollars a year is what I consider personally the startup phase. Because once you hit that million dollar a year mark or you're tracking towards it, you've got a lot of KPIs that are like, that's coming soon enough. Like you can see the writing on the wall. That's usually when it makes sense to engage an agency like ours. Because A, there's enough data there to work with. B, the revenue can support the investment because you're going to be hiring an expert team that knows exactly what they're doing. We drill down into the numbers beforehand and we show them what the upside potential of the project could be. And it's usually in the millions of dollars. It's like, this is what can happen in the next 18 to 24 months. Absolutely. I forgot your original question. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. It's actually interesting about the range because I do strategic planning with my clients and it's a similar range, right? So once you hit that million mark, you're at the point where you're trying to grow and you're probably overwhelmed and you need an expert to really come in and develop strategies and tactics that are going to take you to that next level. So it's interesting that you have the same range with your specific what you do. And we do something similar, but just more overall planning for the company. Are there a lot of e-commerce listeners to your audience or is it more other entrepreneurs like us listening to the show? It's entrepreneurs like us based on I'm not sure if there's any particular e-commerce. I haven't had any feedback from e-commerce, but I'm sure they might be based on the title. It might catch someone's attention. And 
Well, yeah, if you're out there and, you, and you're, you, you're like, oh, that sounds like me, please reach out. But for the people out there that are more on the hustler side, you're an entrepreneur, I'll, I'll spread a little bit of knowledge here around pricing your services and like what type of market to go after. I would say if you, like, if you love working with small to medium businesses and you have a soft spot in your heart and you like working with younger, younger businesses that aren't around that million dollar mark, I feel like that is the area that uh, lends itself to productized services very well, fixed price point and like here's what you get. But when you go into that more million dollar and plus range, then you can get into the more custom service offerings and tailor your approach to really for the needs of the client. So if you're kind of struggling with your pricing model, it, you know, what kind of market do you want to be in? Also, I would say the productized service approach, if you're going to go that direction, allows you to have a higher client count and it diversifies your risk because you aren't, you can work with 20 or 30 clients at a time and it's sort of like us, which is like a dozen. Right. So let me ask for the person who is not at a million, who is maybe starting off and they're at a hundred or 200 or 300, how can they stand out so they can get to that point where they actually would need your help to be able to scale it even bigger? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, if you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars on your site, you're still doing something right. And I think the number one thing you should do is focus. Focus on the one or two things that are going to drive sales to your business and put on blinders to everything else. Don't try the flavor of the week. Don't switch to another platform because it says it's faster. Don't like it's already working. Like don't switch anything. You need to put on blinders and focus on sales. What is the one thing I can do that I know if I put an effort or time or energy or money into this thing on the other end, like I can predictably generate sales do that until you're at a million dollars. Like that's the simplest way to approach it. So you basically went into my next question, which was, would you recommend um, for an e-commerce entrepreneur to niche down or to go mass market? And you're suggesting a niche down. Why is that? Well, there's two different ways to do it. And they're two different business models, right? So like one would be like a general store on the internet. Like, why would I want to buy from you when that thing's everywhere else? And your biggest competition is Amazon. Right, so you're probably not gonna be able to beat them in margin, you're probably not gonna be able to beat them in shipping speed. That just sounds like a bad idea. So to kind of your point, yes, niche down. You know, there's nothing wrong with high skew count stores, but uh, it's a lot easier to find success with a lower skew count store, AKA like one to two, three, four, five products, something like that. It's a lot easier to find success there when your product is solving a very specific problem and all your marketing can be specific, be around that problem that you're solving for your customers and allows you to iterate faster instead of you know having to do that a couple dozen times because you have a, a 100, 200 SKUs in your store of different products, you can just iterate upon that same thing. And that's why you see that some of these brands uh, that blow up in the direct-to-consumer space, they have like one or two flagship products. That's very good, and that's absolutely true. Thank you for sharing that. So you have your e-commerce store, your business is booming. How do you drive your cart size up? Like you already have someone interested in buying at least one item. How do you really increase that cart size? Yeah, this is the stuff that we love to do at the agency. And I think average order value doesn't get the love it needs to get. It's just, it's one of the three KPIs that truly matter. So anyways, to answer your question, upsells, cross sells, and bundles, right? The number one easiest way to do it that anyone can do on any store probably right now is just make a bundle. That one's gonna drive your average order value up. Another way to think about it is like, look at the orders that you're getting. People, like if you examine it, you'll probably see trends within the orders of bundles people are already making, and you can just do that. 
If you want to get a little more technical with it, invest a little bit more money, get a little bit more nerdy, you can build like a bundle builder, which is going to help increase your, your AOV as well. You can have certain types of offers that go along with these bundles as well. Uh, to try to like motivate people to add more than just like whatever a fixed bundle would be like so an example here would be like You got a t-shirt, but maybe there's a cool discount when you have three t-shirts, right? So you just make a three t-shirt product and that's your bundle You know, that's step one step two would be create a bundle builder that has some math behind it That will automatically discount things when they say they want five t-shirts It's the same product page and they can build out whatever they want there. So like that's one way to raise the average order value. Another way is upsells, which is very like in the e-commerce world, people confuse cross sells and upsells like all the time. Technically an upsell is when I want to buy a $5 product and you sell me a $10 product and switch it out in my cart. That's an upsell. But people use upsells all the time when they mean cross sell, which is like I have a $5 item in my cart and then you add, then you sell me another $5 item. You know, that's like some basic math behind it. But yeah, the upsells and cross sells are, are super fun ways to do it. And there's a bunch of places within kind of the sales process of an e-commerce store that you can offer those things. So you can offer an upsell right on the products page or cross sell. I'm just gonna use those terms interchangeably from the, for the next five minutes. So you can offer one on the product page. You can offer one on in the cart page or in the slide out cart. You can offer it within the checkout and you can offer it within the post purchase as well. And all of those are opportunities to increase the average order value. Listen, when you say honest, actionable advice, this is honest and actionable. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, this can literally just change someone's revenue projection for the month by just doing this one little thing. Yeah, well, you know, it goes back to the thing where like all the strategies are the same, but it's the tactics, right? So now you have to think about your specific product and how your customers shop. Because if you sell a $1,500 sofa, no one's buying another $1,500 sofa. So like, right. what is a product that will actually work with that thing? So that's when it gets a little more uh, specific and tactical and where, you know, you probably need to riff with someone that knows what they're doing. Or maybe you already know how, how it works. But then the one thing that I do want to leave there with the kind of all the upsell motivators as we call them inter internally is people like to buy but they don't like to be sold so you need all of these subtle motivators to they need to be subtle they need to be built into the experience they need to belong there you don't they don't want to be jarring it doesn't need to pull somebody out of the experience and they realize like they're trying to get some more money off me like no one likes that and unfortunately, that's what I see a lot with like the off the self shelf solutions that are out there is they're very jarring and it's not seamless. It's not tasteful. And that's why when we're working with clients, we're building custom themes where this is like it feels like that should be there. It belongs. Right. That's so good. That's so good. People do not like to be sold. <laughs> I know I don't. So, yeah, that's very true. So tell us about any pre and post sale nurturing advice. All right. So after you've made the sale, if you're not using email automations, you are doing it wrong. So pre-sale would be you better have a sweet welcome series, at least three emails, educating people about the brand, about your products, about you as a founder, even like people like to buy from people. The welcome series is a great way to share all that knowledge with them. So that's nurturing it before the sale. You can have, and this is where it gets fun. If you have a lower SKU count, right? You have a, you have one product, right? You sell this one thing. 
if you someone abandoned carts on that and you have their and you have their email you can sell them a you can write a welcome series i mean sorry an abandoned cart series specifically about that specific product and now you can like raise your marketing messages in line with the journey that that person's experiencing so your conversion rate is going to be a lot higher with that in that tactic. So that's really cool to do there. And then when they have purchased, this is where it gets very strategy based is try to sell them something else, like nurture them, blah, 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 blah. But like, it's also like, do you have another product to sell them? If you don't, maybe you try to educate them about the product so they like it to keep returns down. Or, uh, you know, maybe it's like, hey, if you like that, maybe your friend will like it. You try to get them to gift it a product to somebody else. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. Yeah. So essentially, you have to have a pre and post nurturing sequence. Yeah. That's the takeaway from this. Yeah. Well, also, you know, that was just one kind of avenue that I went in my head. But like another one would be is like pre-purchase, they should probably be like seeing your retargeting ads. Post-purchase, they shouldn't see your retargeting ads because they just bought it. Right. Very good. Any other marketing tips for e-commerce entrepreneurs? I mean, I touched on this earlier, but I do want to reiterate it is like pick one channel and be really good at it and then pick another channel as your backup channel just because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. But until you're doing millions of dollars a year, you can crush it with just like two channels. And honestly, I would like paid advertising is the hardest one to do profitably. So one of your channels should and more than likely it needs to be content driven maybe owned owned media through like email email is amazing so work on building your email list with awesome content and like email those people like that should be a channel you're focused on and then for prospecting you can get into paid ads uh, but it's it's very hard to make that wheel work profitably from day one you have to build up everything organically yeah that's really good so i know you've worked with multiple businesses what is the biggest challenge that you see um, with your e-commerce clients and how can how do what would you advise to overcome those challenges well i just mentioned you know the clarity of like what should we do next and it's like you should focus on like your you make your site the best thing it can be focus on that get it to the best point you can and then focus on increasing the amount of traffic that comes to your website Prospecting is the most expensive thing to do. Retargeting is a lot cheaper, returns a lot higher. If you are gonna start prospecting and spending money to get new eyes on your website, that website better be in the best shape ever or you're lighting money on fire. And then another thing is we're starting to work with people where they're tipping that edge, they're getting that million dollar thing. It's a, it's a huge, huge, like that's, for any business that's like a, an amazing time. They're like, this is so cool. Like I made a million dollar business. Like who would've thought? The ones that struggle the most with scaling are the ones that don't have content creation systems built within their business. And what I mean by that is they're not producing content on a regular basis that resonates with their audience. And those brands struggle the most with scaling because paid ads, email marketing, all of those endeavors are super, super content heavy. And you gotta make new content to like refresh that stuff. People get bored with the same stuff. That's so true. That is, and I mean, and by the time you're getting to that point, you should, because it gets a bit overwhelming at a certain level to do everything. And so hopefully you get into that point, you should have, be able to divvy up your resources and hire people that can just focus on stuff like that. Yeah. The way uh, we tackle it and try to tell people these days is uh, you should have three systems within this content creation system. So you can like always have new stuff. And one is internally, you guys should be producing content, figure that out, just pick something and do it. Externally, you should be A, getting user-generated content from your customers, and B, 
doing influencer deals and getting content from influencers, micro influencers or just fans of your products, you know what I mean? So there's three ways to just like get the ball rolling. Yeah, that's really good. So any industry trends you see right now? Yeah. So we're at the tail end of the COVID pandemic and the what happened was the e-commerce market penetration these numbers are wrong but it will prove my point is like a, the penetration was like a 20% or something like that and then the pandemic happened and it jumped up like 12 15% to like 35% market penetration so much money shifted to being spent online in the last 18 months it, it basically sped up what was supposed to happen by 10 years so everybody is getting online it is super super competitive and like eat in like paid ads facebook and google are as expensive as ever so just i would basically say like have a plan and educate yourself that's what needs to happen now do you think it's going to wear down after post pandemic no i think it's going to keep going up mm. yeah i i mean i have replaced so many shopping habits with online so i don't see myself going back It's just so easy, right? And if you yeah. can make it easy for your customers, you're going to you're going to succeed. Also, if you can figure it out, highly the margins are way better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. Thank you. So much good information in such a little time. Thank you so much for sharing all of this wealth of information. I have one last question before I let you go. What is the biggest lesson you've learned in your business during this season? Yeah, this is a good one and you said it to me earlier and I I'm like I'm very proud of my answer <laughs> to be honest. Is, you should be. <laughs> um hire or invest in the most expensive resource that you can afford at that time. So what I mean by that is if you're hiring someone to work at your business or to an employee whatever, hire the most expensive employee you can afford. Like you should know what you can afford and you hire someone that knows what they're doing and pay them well and they'll stick around and you you will grow so much faster. On the other side of it, like if you're an if you're a brand, hire the most expensive agency you can because the results are going to be there. If you're one of the if you like to look for a deal, you're probably sabotaging your growth and you're probably going to be high you're going to have high turnover with the partners that you work with and the the team members and contractors and employees that you have. So, invest in the most expensive resource you can afford. That's good, but I need you to clear that up for me because is it synonymous with the most expensive resource is it synonymous with knowing what they're doing or being actually technically um I guess up well, to yeah, par. Well, yeah, you should do your due diligence on who you're working with, but from a hiring perspective, you are going to have much better results, especially when you're small. When you're a small business, you can't afford to have someone tr- learn on the job. That's a, a misnomer. You can't do that. You need to hire someone that can do the thing you need them to do to get it off your plate because you're busy and you're wearing 100 hats and you need to go down to 99 hats like hire someone that knows what they're doing and people that know what they're doing are usually more expensive right. and you got to start viewing these things as investments and not as expenses right very understood that's a good lesson thank you thank you for sharing that thank you so much for sharing all of this uh, last thing before i let you go where can we find you do you have any project um that you're working on that you'd like to share with the audience and i'm going to link everything on the show notes but i'd like you to just share yeah so the big ongoing project is our our marketing engine for electric eye is honest e-commerce it's an e-commerce podcast it's also on youtube now it's a video as well and there's a bunch of blogs there's hundreds of episodes between that and the bonus series that we were doing all at honestecommerce.co 
So you can listen to me rant about all things e-commerce there with a bunch of very, very, very smart guests. And then also, if you think that you might be a good fit uh, to work with Electric Eye or you just want to learn more about what we're up to, you can check us out at electriceye.io. Thank you so much. And listen, guys, if you are in this space, you definitely want to check out his podcast. I have listened to a couple of episodes, very great stuff, very in line with what we've been talking about, which is so useful, so many useful um, pieces of information. And if you know someone that is in the space, please let them follow him, check his podcast out and check him out and what they're doing to really increase businesses and business growth. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for hanging out with me during this episode. If you have any questions or comments, I would really love to hear from you. Bye for now. And always remember, you've got what it takes to win.